Today's show is made possible by Fittery. You've probably purchased some dress and casual shirts online before, and sadly, you've probably had to return many of those items because they just didn't fit. Now, you do realize, of course, that billions are spent returning all of these poorly fitting clothes, right? Well, the madness can stop. The hassle of having to return all of this stuff can stop. Well, this is where Fittery comes in. They've devised a process by which you can almost guarantee that the dress and casual shirts you buy online will fit. And from brand names you'll recognize, Brooks Brothers, J. Crew, Land's End, Ralph Lauren, to name just a few. And they're adding more brands every day. Now, I myself use Fittery, and setting up my account was very simple and took almost zero time. Just go to fittery.com intrepid, complete the quick size tool, and you'll soon be ordering dress and casual shirts that actually fit. Again, that's fittery.com intrepid. You'll love Fittery, and you'll actually enjoy and look forward to ordering clothes online again. All right, let's do this. We're going live in five, four, three. You are listening to Intrepid Healthcare. Shining a light on the innovators, the doctors, the medical professionals, and all those instigating change and influencing both healthcare policy and technology. We bring you the latest healthcare news impacting the providers, the payers, and the patients. And now, here's your host, Todd Schnick. Good morning and welcome back to Intrepid Healthcare. I am your host, Todd Schnick, joined this morning by my friend and colleague, Joe Lavelle. Good morning, my friend. How are you? Good morning, Todd. It's great to be on with you this morning. Yeah, it's been a while since you and I have done a show together uh, on this show, so g- great to reconnect with you there. Looking forward to it. Uh, and we've had some uh, some interesting conversations from the world of MedCPU the last uh, few weeks, so uh, looking forward to this conversation. We're joined this morning by Dr. Alan Strongwater. He is the Senior Vice President of Medical Informatics with MedCPU. Alan, welcome to the show. Good morning. Thank you. Oh, it's good to be with you. Thanks for making time to join us. I know you're a very busy fellow. I appreciate you making time. Before we get into our very important conversation today, a few uh, administrative things I need from you. Uh, first of all, can you lead us off and uh, tell us a bit about you and your background? Sure. So I was initially educated as an electrical engineer. I believe that that education provided me an excellent skill set to allow me to logically approach the very complicated problems that we find in medicine. So throughout college, I was intrigued with the applications of electrical engineering to uh, medicine. And in fact, I worked in an early biomedical laboratory while I was at the university. After that, I attended Rush Medical College in Chicago, which was a technologically very advanced institution. And that's where I was drawn to orthopedics. I think there's a lot of similarity between engineering and orthopedic surgery. After medical school, I did my orthopedic residency at Yale University, and then I did a pediatric orthopedic fellowship at NYU Hospital for Joint Diseases in New York. So over the years, I've held a huge number of various positions, including orthopedic residency program director, chief of pediatric orthopedic surgery, chairman of orthopedic surgery and musculoskeletal services, and I functioned as the chief medical information officer 
for 11 years at Maimonides Medical Center, a busy medical center before the title of CMO was actually coined. So for the past 30 years or so, my clinical practice has been dedicated to the correction of childhood deformities and improving the function and independence of children with cerebral palsy and other developmental disabilities. All right. Well, thank you for sharing that uh, impressive background. Um, Methinks you know what you're talking about. So as I said, you're the Senior VP of Medical Informatics with MedCPU. So before we further, before we get into our conversation, uh, give us a quick overview of MedCPU. What do you do? How do you serve your market? So MedCPU is a relatively young company. We do uh, clinical decision support, and that is aimed at supporting the physicians and nurses in the delivery of health care. The program acquires data from every source in the electronic medical record and analyzes that against some best practice guidelines. And whenever we see a deviation from best practice, we alert the clinician. And that provides a level of safety and uh, improvement in care for the patients. Dr. Strongwater Todd and I have been at this several years. We've done over 600 interviews, mostly for me, of healthcare organizations, healthcare IT organizations. And one thing that really sticks out about your organization is over 80% of the team are physicians and nurses. Tell us why that's important and what you deliver to your customers. Well, the, the CEO of the organization is a physician himself. And I think we all recognize that medicine and the knowledge base has been growing at a phenomenal rate. Between the regulations and the knowledge base, it's almost impossible for a physician to keep up and be current. And this software really helps provide clues and uh, prods and prompts to the physician and to the nurse to keep them at the forefront of healthcare. Good stuff. So let's get into the main business at hand here. We wanted you on the show today to discuss the Joint Replacement Bundle Program, or referred to as the Comprehensive Care for Joint Replacement. So let's get into this and and discuss it. Uh, But first of all, give us an overview. What exactly is it and what's the key objective? So the Comprehensive Joint Program is referred to as the CJR program. This was a uh, law that was passed in 2015 and uh, went into effect April 1st of 2016, a little bit delayed from its targeted date of the first of the year. The goal of the program, at least as far as CMS is concerned, is twofold to, one, maintain the quality of care to the Medicare beneficiaries that are having joint replacement surgery, and two, to reduce the costs, because our cost for joint replacement surgery is enormous. There are approximately 1 million procedures done per year, and the estimated cost for those 1 million procedures is $20 billion. Wow, $20 billion. So explain then how you bring that program into your customers. So you could imagine that there are lots of different ways to do any procedure, and some hospitals do it faster. Some hospitals have lower complications. Some hospitals have quicker throughput. And our goal was to take best practices and put them into a computer program that we constantly monitor. And our goal is to try to get the medical staff to follow the guidelines. And there are lots of different areas of healthcare that benefit from guidelines. This is one of them. And so if the clinicians follow the guidelines, 
on the whole, since this is uh, evidence-based medicine, it doesn't work for any one particular patient, but as a group of patients, the group will do better if they follow the guidelines. And so that's what we do, is we help to enforce compliance with those guidelines. Alan, uh, as you said, uh, this only went into effect in April of 2016, so it's too probably far too soon to really understand the, the impacts of it. But in a year or two's time, I mean, what, do you, what do you expect to re- result from this? I mean, what's the hopeful benefit? What do you anticipate the long-term gain of this will be? Well, CMS is using both the carrot and the stick. So the stick is that they have set a target fee for this bundled service, and the bundled service includes the hospitalization, the surgeon, the the 90-day period of time following the surgery, including rehab and a nursing facility if necessary. Our goal is that we can help hospitals streamline their practice and provide better care to the patients and help ensure continuity of care as the patient moves through the environment. So from inpatient to outpatient to rehab, we will help make that transition. So our goal is twofold, just like CMS. We want to try to improve the quality of care, and we want to try to get the cost of that down. For those hospitals that can reduce their costs, CMS will pay them an incentive on top of their usual targeted fee. What are you finding in terms of your customer base that are really interested in working through this program with you? Are Is it all your customers? Is it the ones who are primarily uh, orthopedic hospitals? How is that working out for you? So uh, CMS defined 67 regions around the United States, and those regions include somewhere between 650 and 790 hospitals, depending upon how you do your count. And it's really those hospitals that we're targeted to. In addition, the hospital has to be performing a certain number of joint replacement surgeries. Otherwise, it's not financially worthwhile for them or for us to market to them. Dr. Alan Strongwater will return after this short break. We'll be right back. This episode is brought to you by the new international best-selling book, Leadership Rigor. This groundbreaking book will turn everything you think you know about leadership upside down. Leadership Rigor explores how to achieve breakthrough performance and productivity through leading yourself, leading teams, and leading at the organizational level. Author Erica Piedler outlines for her readers how to become change-ready leaders. Change-ready leaders are capable of embracing challenges with agility and optimism because they have the tools, models, and language to assess, structure, and facilitate solutions. Leadership is a skill that can be learned and practiced. Take the rigor challenge and ask yourself, do you want to lead mindfully and skillfully? Or do you want to subject your teams and organizations to your unstructured thoughts and approaches? The choice is yours. Will you rigor it? You can purchase Leadership Rigor on Amazon or by visiting ericpetler.com. All right, we are back with Dr. Alan Strongwater, Senior Vice President of Medical Informatics with MedCPU. So, Alan, we've been talking about the CJR, or the Comprehensive Care for Joint Replacement. So, who's going to participate in this program? Is, do you expect full participation, or is this still going to take some time to ramp up and get the level of participation that, that we want? Well, unlike some of the demonstration programs that CMS has had in the past, this one is not optional. All of the hospitals 
that are doing Medicare work for DRG 469 or 470, which includes joint replacements, must participate in the demonstration project. So participation is not optional. Great. So help us understand a, a little more. Is this You call this a project. Are health organizations required to do some percentage of their joint replacements or all of their joint replacements this way? So according to what I've read in the CMS rules, all of the Medicare beneficiaries that are in those regions that undergo joint replacement surgery under DRG 469 and 470 are required to be included in the project. It's a project because it has a designated termination date of December 31st, 2020. It's intended to run five years. However, considering the number of changes CMS has made, it's hard to predict how long it will actually run for. Yeah, it won't be the first time that CMS changes a deadline. What was the intent of a five-year program? So this is an enormous change to the way that we do business. In a bundle, they're taking the hospital, the surgeon, the, the post-operative care for 90 days, nursing homes, rehab, and putting them all together into one single bundle. The first year, they're going to issue payments to those facilities just as they have in the past. But the goal is that they're going to make up one single bundled payment to all of the providers, and then it will be up to the providers to divide that money amongst themselves. So if the bundled group does better, everybody gets paid more. And if they have complications and other problems, they all wind up getting paid less. What's your sense, Alan? Once we get beyond the mechanics and the providers learn how to work with each other, is this going to be a good program when someone goes to get a new hip or a new knee? Well, you know, every program has its unintended consequences. And as a surgeon, I look at this and I say, you know, they're reducing the amount of money being paid to the hospitals and to the surgeons. They're increasing the amount of administrative overhead, and they have penalties for various uh, non-participation and lack of compliance, poor quality, et cetera. And so it would not surprise me if there are hospitals and surgeons who say they're just not going to do joint replacement surgery anymore. And so this is a, a very valuable operation. It helps to alleviate pain and suffering in the patients. It restores function. And it could be that it's going to become difficult to find a surgeon who's willing to do that. Well, you just mentioned quality. So let's dive into that a little bit. Uh, how, in fact, will hospital quality be reported? So CMS has specified a whole quality assurance program. And that's on their website. You can actually find it on the CMS website. But suffice it to say, there are designated quality measures that the hospital has to report. Then the patients themselves will be filling out questionnaires. And finally, they will be looking at complications of the joint replacement itself. And so those three components go into the quality score. Uh, CMS has said that they will post the results of the quality measures on their website so that the public can see that. Ideally, that would mean that patients who find hospitals that have poor quality scores would probably not go to those hospitals and seek care elsewhere. But it is a very complex algorithm. So we got the quality to be measured that you just talked to, and then we have 
will this program improve health? And I'll, I'll bring it to me for a second. I blew out my knee a couple of years ago. It turned out to be a torn meniscus and they got in there and uh, fixed that easily and then did a microfracture surgery. And one of the opportunities, I guess you call it, that I saw was that my surgeon really wasn't getting paid for the follow-up care and for the office visits. You know, he got paid for the surgery. So my visits were short. My time with him, you know, it just wasn't as good as I'd, I really wanted. And he wasn't as well coordinated as I thought or as I wanted him to be with uh, physical therapy. Is there a chance in a program like this that we can redistribute the money so that we can incent our surgeons to be, you know, to pay them for that time? Because I would gladly have paid for, you know, a 20 minute office visit instead of a two minute office visit. So I could have gotten more questions answered, maybe more collaboration with a physical therapist, that kind of thing. Yeah, that's a, a very difficult problem. For many, many years in the United States, the surgical fee that is paid to the surgeon includes a follow-up uh, period. So one-third of the surgical fee is actually to pay for follow-up care. So the surgeons are getting paid. The problem is they see it as one lump payment. And in some cases, they, they say, well, as soon as the surgery is done, so am I. I'm done. But you're absolutely right. Follow-up care can be a very big problem. Now here, CMS is extending the, the, the bundle time to 90 days, and that's a pretty long time for everyone in that bundle to provide care. Alan, I'm just curious. Uh, you, you just touched on this idea that, that if a hospital has low quality ra ratings, then people can make a choice. And then hearing Joe tell his story, uh, Joe's obviously a keen observer of the healthcare marketplace, and he knows that he ought to be getting a 20-minute visit when instead he's getting a two-minute visit. So he's aware of that, that he does have that choice. But my sense is that most of the marketplace doesn't have that awareness. And we would shop at a different grocery store if we didn't like the quality of the food we got at, at our current place, because we know we have that choice. But it doesn't strike me that people are aware that they have a choice in healthcare. Are you seeing the market shift and become more aware? And I I think technology is obviously feeding this knowledge. Well, comment on that, please. I think it's still early in the curve. So have I seen patients change? Not really. However, the federal government is forcing the availability of patient portals into their electronic medical record. They're giving patients more access. So I think the government is trying to drive change in the right direction. It just hasn't happened yet. What are you doing as a company now as you're getting ready to implement this? Are you expecting this to require tons of implementation time from your team, tons of training time? What are you expecting at MedCPU? Well, as physicians, we really don't like having to go to a classroom to learn about how to use a computer program. And so there are a few, a few key goals. One is we don't want to interfere with the physician or nurse's workflow. That's very important. Two is we want it to be intuitively obvious how to use the program so that you don't have to sit through long uh, classroom sessions to learn how to use that program. Three, we want it to be extremely accurate. I'm sure almost everyone has been in a hospital and they hear the monitors going off and the constant beeping and squawking, and the people who work there are totally oblivious to that racket. And that's what's called alert fatigue. And so 
we want to make sure our alerts are extremely accurate. So when one alert fires, it means that there is a problem. So those are the key measures that we're taking to try to make this product very useful for the clinician. Well, I had the pleasure of chatting with the CEO of MedCPU, Dr. Efrat, and we were talking about the idea that the, the third leading cause of death in the United States is, is medical error. I mean, it's just unbelievable that that still occurs, and MedCPU certainly is combating that, and your alert system and your technology is, is, is potentially going to profoundly impact the future of healthcare. It's very exciting to see. Looking at you with your engineer hat and your physician hat, uh, the, the technology is is a game changer in healthcare. Obviously, long term. As we close here, uh, love love your comments on on where you think where we can still go with all this and what's still possible. It's a very exciting future. So, with all of the technology that's out there, the vast majority of information in the patient's electronic health record is still free text, meaning. I, as a physician, when I sit down to document the patient's condition and the status and what my plan is, I generally don't fill out a form and I absolutely hate using checkboxes. So what I usually do is I'll write a paragraph and in that paragraph or two, I will lay out the entire patient's status and my plan. The problem is that that type of free text information is not very conducive to computer processing. And so one of the things that we've done is to use uh, natural language processing enhanced by some of our own algorithms to try to extract meaningful information from that free text. That science still has a ways to go before it becomes perfected. And so I think that as um, algorithms improve, we will see even better text processing. And that would be very helpful to the overall uh, goal of providing information from the patient's record. Mm. Indeed, very exciting future. Alan, I hate to say it, about out of time before I let you go. Should anyone have any questions, how can they contact you? And most importantly, where can they learn more about MedCPU? Well, we have a website that has all of our contact information. And so I would suggest they go to medcpu.com. They can go to uh, the information page about our leadership and reach any of us uh, either by email or by phone. All right. Dr. Alan Strongwater, Senior Vice President of Medical Informatics with MedCPU. Alan, a real pleasure to have you. Thanks again for stopping by. Thank you. All right. That's all the time we have for today. Again, on behalf of our guest, Dr. Alan Strongwater, my co-host, Joe Lavelle, I am Todd Schnick. We'll see you soon on Intrepid Healthcare. <laughs>